Pussy. Okay. I don't even know what that is, but I'm going to do that. Thank you for that great introduction. Uh, we have been here all weekend. It's been really great uh, to speak to the married people. As Adam said, my name is uh, Darren Overstreet. My wife is here with me. Um, and we just got done speaking at a marriage retreat. Uh, and I'm going to do the same lesson I did there. Yes. Just kidding. Some of you are probably like, right on. Okay. I'm not. Um, but I, I do want to share some things with you that I hope will encourage you. Let me just introduce myself to you. I can't see it on that one, but I can see it over there. That's me and my family over there. Um, We lead the church in Seattle. The church in Seattle right now is almost 600 people, so it's roughly half the size of the Dallas church. Um, Dallas church is 1,200 or so. We want to get to 1,200, but we're, we're currently at 600. We have 16 people on our staff. That's my lovely family over there, my wife. That's the beach in Mexico. So we we go there sometimes. That's not Seattle, although we do have beaches. On the right is my son, Hunter. He's 19. He goes to San Diego State University. Um, That's my wife there, Carla. My daughter, uh, who was just here at the campus service. We brought her out. Uh, We haven't seen her all weekend. She's been running around Dallas with people. So, um, But she has some friends here that we've met, and uh, John's awesome, isn't he? Give this guy a hand, by the way, right? And that's my son, Zach, in the middle. You might have seen him. He comes to Dallas a lot because there is a girl named Lacey here uh, that he is engaged to be married to. Yeah, right there. That was quite a... Lacey Sheldon and he met at a summit in uh, St. Louis. You guys know Lacey? Um, They met, they both play college golf. My son is on a scholarship at Seattle University, and Lacey also is a college golfer. So they kind of hit it off, and there you go. They're getting married in August. So we came out here to see the Assads and the church and also our future in-laws, the Sheldons, who are pretty awesome. Amen? Uh, We had a great time with the married people, but in all seriousness, uh, it's really good to talk to this group. And we're really looking forward to spending time with you tonight. I think this is probably the most important group in the church. I will say this. This is the most radical group in the church. I'm serious. Do you believe that? Well, let me tell you why. Um, People trying to live a righteous single life today run into all sorts of obstacles. Um, it is hard to be countercultural. I mean, you walk out the, those doors and you walk into society and they just blow up everything Jesus is trying to teach. Relationships are bananas. Um, get ahead in life, you steal and you can step on people. Um, it doesn't matter who you hurt. Truth is relative. Uh, there's, there's increasingly less standards anymore. And so to live a single life and try to please God, and let's just say, we'll all be the first to say we make mistakes, right? That's why we have Jesus in each other and grace in the Bible. But it's hard. It is really hard. So I look at this group, uh, and I really admire the singles. 
Uh, the singles in any church are the group that we really want to focus on. We're really working hard in Seattle to make it a vibrant group. It's been one of the most fruitful groups in the Seattle church for the last several years. Um, and, and so I have a ton of respect for you guys. There's all sorts of issues and complications that come from being married. If you were there this weekend, you know that. Um, but I'll tell you, this is a special phase of life. Do you believe that? You feel that? It's really important that you understand that. I want to learn a little bit about the Dallas Singles Ministry, so I'm going to do something I did. Uh, I'm going to do something I did this weekend with the Marrieds, and they kind of had some fun with it. And I'm going to tell you to do something that probably no other minister has ever told you to do ever during church. Take out your phone and get ready to text. Take out your phone, because I'm going to do a live poll right now. I want to hear from you, okay? I'm not going to do this one because um, I forgot to include it in the slideshow, but with the married people, we did a test, and the test was, who has the brighter future, the Seattle Seahawks or the Dallas Cowboys? That was the, that was the, that was the question, and I thought it would be like 99% Cowboys and like 1% Seahawks. It was one-third Seahawks. I'm just saying. So if I've alienated you already, then I apologize, right? But I think the Seahawks have a pretty bright future. I do like the Cowboys, too. Uh, but I will say this. Oh, there's our staff right there. I forgot to talk about them. There's actually, there's actually a few not there, but that's our church courtyard. We own a building on Queen Anne in Seattle. Uh, it's a great group. We have a lot of fun, and we're just, uh, you probably know that couple on the left. That guy with the big cheesy smile, that's Jason Lugo. Uh, they used to be here. Raise your hand if you know the Lugos. Right on, okay. Okay, do this. Text that word to 22333, because I want to ask you a question. So it's Darren Overstir425. And tell me when you have it ready. Probably be a little faster than the marrieds were, just saying. No, it doesn't have to be all caps. That's a great question, though. And I just have one question for you tonight. You all, you all there? That guy right there is fired up. He's, he had it like three minutes ago. Okay, so this is a word cloud. So all you got to do is type in your word and hit send, okay? And the, the question is, what do you love most about the Dallas Singles Ministry? Word. <laughs> Someone said word. Is this working? Worship. Okay. Coming in slow. Diversity. Relationships. Welcoming. Hospitality. Commitment. Diversity is up there. I love that. This is a very diverse church, and that is an absolute strength and gift. Convictions, realness. Love it. Empathize. (laughs) Someone said Bethany. Is that right? Someone said Bethany. There you go. How come your name's not in there, dude? Oh, okay. Pizza. Come on now. Who's Kayvon? Someone put Kayvon in there. Kayvon, did you put that in there? 
talents, Skyler. Who's Skyler? Oh, okay. Who's Kyle, man? There's all kinds of names. Derek. Okay, this is fun. All right, tacos. Got to have tacos. We don't have good tacos in Seattle. Kind of a joke, actually. Jason Lugo reminds me all the time that we don't have good tacos. Brotherhood. Okay, I think you get the point. Um, tacos is getting bigger. You know, the more, the more you type something in, the bigger it gets. <laughs> all right. All right, Kayvon and Bethany and Skylar, you rock. Martin is in there, just saying. All right. All right, so now I'm going to say stop texting, all right, because we've, we've pretty much covered it there. I, I got to tell you, it's very encouraging um, to see those things. Let me just look at this for a minute, though. Think of something. I'm looking at these words. And outside of Skylar and Bethany and Kayvon, um, and now Lexi, I, here's the thing. Actually, you can make a case that you shouldn't take those words out. What I was going to say is... Right, we love each other, but outside the walls of these room, of this room, there's a lot of singles looking for belonging, and these are the things they wish they had. Before I was a Christian, I was at college, and I just finished kind of a crazy freshman year that made me really unhappy. I can look at 10 or 15 of these words, and those are things when I laid my head on the pillow and I prayed at night that I hope and wished and prayed that God would help me find And we find them in the church. We find them in a community like this, and it's really, really powerful. It's also really important that we don't forget it. It's also important um, about what I want to talk about tonight, and that is just be a dreamer. We have to have big dreams. This group right here uh, should have some of the biggest dreams in the church. You have some means. You have some... uh, hopefully some a career, or you're on your way to a career, you've got great friendships, you're mature enough to know what a purpose is, you're mature enough to know how that is supposed to happen, you've got networks of friends, you've got the Bible in your hand, you've got this idealistic God who got you here through your unique witness and story, which is pretty awesome, and we owe it to God to, to dream big in response. And I want to talk about being a dreamer. Paul's a guy that I like to study in the Bible. I took some classes in college directly relating to Paul, and it was very inspiring. Outside of Jesus, he's the greatest missionary and prophet in the Bible. He was radical. You know the story. He grew up as a Jew. He was persecuting the church. He was, he was on his way to imprison people when he was converted. He was passionate. He was, he was full of zeal. It was just for the wrong things. Now, that does describe a lot of singles in our life, right? Uh, There's a lot of passion out there, and Paul was just like that. And Jesus got a hold of him and converted him, changed the entire trajectory of his life. And his response was to spend the rest of his life just dreaming for God. Let's read some scriptures about that. Acts chapter 9, right after Paul's conversion. It says, at once, this is right after he's converted, at once he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. All those who heard him were astonished and asked, isn't he the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem among those who call on this name? And hasn't he come here to take them as prisoners to the chief priests? 
Yet Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Messiah. Right after he was converted, he just got about the business of preaching and trying to persuade all of his friends who were fellow Jews. He instantly put the word of God into his life and let it just spawn into this dream. It's very inspiring. Here's another scripture in Romans. He says to, to the Romans, he's trying to convince them to really make Jesus Lord. He said, I'm obligated to both to Greeks and non-Greeks, both to the wise and the foolish. That is why I'm so eager to preach the gospel also to you who are in Rome. Paul talks about being obligated to preach. Obligated means you have no other choice but to do this thing. And he says, I'm obligated to preach to both Greeks and non-Greeks, and I'm extremely eager to preach to my fellow Jews in Rome. That's what Paul's response to the gospel was. And people told him all the time, stop doing that. That's too big of a dream. You're going to get yourself hurt. You're going to get others hurt. But Paul said, I can't help but to preach. He says in 1 Corinthians 9, verse 16, When I preach the gospel, I cannot boast, since I am compelled to preach. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. You know what woe means? Woe to you? You're in trouble. He says, woe to me if I don't just open my mouth and preach this gospel. I'm compelled to preach. The things that God has done in my life, um, I have to preach. I have no other choice. He's done such a great thing. And lastly, in Philippians 3, verse 7, he said, But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. If you know anything about Saul's life, who became Paul, his life wasn't garbage. His life was rich. He was, he, was, he was absolutely talented. He was smart. He was a leader. He was influential. It was anything but, but stuff we would call garbage. But he says, compared to the gospel, it's total garbage. All I want to do is give this away. This is a dreamer. This is a guy whose dreams outpaced even the people around him. And it was all about how can I help other people see this incredible gift that I've gotten. If you're visiting with us, that's really what we are as a community. We're a community that has has each one of us has an individual story of grace and forgiveness and redemption. And when we read the Bible, we're not a church that wants to passively read the Bible. We want to actively read the Bible. And in our own fumbling words sometimes, just tell you what God did in our life. And hopefully, you're compelled to, to, to take a look at that same Jesus and figure things out. I'm sure glad I did that. I was in architecture school at the University of Washington, and I decided to do that. Best decision I ever made. I remember just sitting down with brothers. First of all, four different brothers. This is a real lesson in perseverance. I remember being on campus at University of Washington, and I'm walking down the road, and these girls invite me to church, and I said, yeah, and I gave them my phone number, and they blew my phone up for like a week, um, and I kept deleting them off, ready for this, off my answering machine, which you don't know what that is, but it was, they existed, right? Yeah, and I I just kept, and then another guy meets me, and I'm like, I think that's the same church. And I actually, confession here, think I actually gave him the wrong phone number, because I didn't want to get blown up. 
I'm just confessing, right? I wasn't saying I was righteous. I was like, yeah, beat it. Here, let me give you a phone number, though. And then another guy meets me in the hub. He sits down, and I'm like, let me guess. <laughs> Seattle Church of Christ. He's like, how'd you know? I said, I just knew. And this time, I didn't give him any number. I just said, look, I'm good. I, I, I was raised in a God-fearing family. I'm, I'm all right. Just thank you, though. Thanks for your kindness. And I left. And I thought, maybe they'll have a little meeting and just say, don't share with this guy. He looks like this. He's in this part of campus. But no, in my apartment complex, these two guys were walking down the road, and it was really dark. And I'm coming home from an intramural basketball game, and these two guys said, hey. I was like, oh, no, this is it. They said, stop. It was really dark. And they came out of the shadows. I was like, I got no money, man. I'm a college student. There's nothing in here. They said, no, no, no. You know what they said? We'd like to invite you to church. I'm like, really? Seattle Church of Christ? Yeah, how'd you know? And I finally went. Honestly, I finally went because I thought, if I don't go to this church, I'm going to get blown up all year. My, my name, my, my picture will be on a poster. I don't know, man. But So I went home. I brought Carla. And my life was changed forever. Um, wasn't used to all the hugs right away and the, you know, and just the, the absolute warmth that wasn't in my family and in my life. I'm not saying it was wrong. I was just not used to it. Um, they invited me to Bible talk. I started studying the Bible, and I really authentically looked at what a true Christian was. And I came to this church. So that was 25 years ago, right? The church had its flaws, Still has its flaws, but you know what I noticed about this church? And there are other churches that do this too. I'm just talking about this community right here. People in there dreamed. In fact, the dreams seemed kind of big, like, yeah, let's, let's plant like five churches in the next year. I, I grew up in church and realized it was a feat to plant one church in 10 years. I even grew up in a church that probably more talked about this than actually did it. Behind us on the stage was Matthew 28, 18 through 20. And it was written in big, bold letters. I remember that as a high school student. And, and when I studied the Bible and became a Christian, I remembered that that, that was on the, the wall, but it really was never, ever talked about or any time was devoted to. So when I came to this church, I said, doggone it, here's a bunch of people that dream. It's very inspiring. I was, I was studying to be an architect. I wanted to design buildings with my name on some sort of plaque. I wanted to be famous. I wanted to, I mean, I was, I was trying to do something in life. And I realized that the passion I had needed to be diverted into things that God cared about. And so I just threw my life into preaching to others. I, I felt compelled to preach, just like Paul says. Three and a half years uh, after becoming a Christian, I went into the ministry. And I, it was the funniest conversation I've ever had. I went and talked to my boss. Because about a year early, I went and talked to my boss and said, you know what, I really could use a raise, Bev. I totally get you. I could use a raise. And if I don't get a raise, I'm not saying this is the best way to do this. This is what I did. If I don't get a raise, I think I'm going to look for another job. And he said, you got one. And then he put me on salary. He raised it and put me on salary, which I then found out that it was a way to have me work all kinds of hours just at one (laughs) fixed rate with no overtime, right? So he kind of he kind of stuck it stuck me with it, but you know he gave me a good salary, and then I went in six months later and asked for another raise. I got really bold, right? And I was expecting him to say, "Darren, get out of my office. This is I just gave you one." But he gave me another one, and he gave me a car. 
I mean, not literally gave me a car, but he gave me the keys to a company car with a cell phone in it. But I see Todd back there. He probably remembers this. The cell phones were actually still attached with a cord in the car, right? But I was balling. I had a cell phone. I had a car and two raises in one year. And then I decided to go in the ministry, and I was really nervous. About six months later, what do I do here? And I went in, and I said, Frank, i got to talk to you. And he said, Darren, you need another raise? I said, no, I quit. <laughs> like, whoa, what? what do you, did you get another job? Did someone hire you away? I said, ready for this? I said, no, I want to be a minister. And he's like, Darren, seriously, if you need more money, honestly, which is kind of ironic because I was going to take a big pay cut, right? And then one lady walks in and she says, um, you're going in the ministry? And I said, yeah. And she goes, well, this company will either drive you to Satan or God. You made the right choice, right? And she walked out of the room. That's just a funny story. I'll tell you, though, I'm not saying you have to go in the ministry to have big dreams. If that's your calling, great. It's certainly not everyone's calling. But I did that. And I thought at the time, does the world need an architect or does it need someone who's, who's going to divert all their passions into doing great things for God? And that's what I tried to do. I fumble around today to do it, but that's what I try to do. Are you a dreamer? Do you have big dreams? Do you have, do you have a list of dreams? Do you have things you want to see happen? Are you talking about it? We need you. I need you. Todd needs you. The city of Dallas needs you. Um, the, the, the world at large needs you to be a dreamer. It really does. It needs you to get to the place where you can say like Paul, and we're never going to be like Paul, but we can have the same attitude as Paul, as look, the things I have in my life, they're good. But compared to just giving this thing called eternal life, giving that shot to people, they seem like garbage. What can I do to put myself around people that I can influence? What can I do to make a, a greater presence at work? What can I do to get mission fields and get involved in mission fields that are rich and full of people where I can pray that God will lead me to someone. That's what we need you to do. That's what the single world around you needs you to do. The other thing is I found that dreaming is a lot easier when you have a fellow dreamer. So here's the thing. Find a fellow dreamer. And what I mean by that is go in the world and find someone whose dreams are currently and passion is currently being diverted into worldly things and and tell them that God's better. Paul did this in Acts 16. He is just on, excited. He's on fire. He's starting this new movement. He's traveling around. And we read this story in Acts 16, 1 through 5. Paul came to Derby and then to Lystra where a disciple named Timothy lived, whose mother was a Jewess and a believer, but his, whose father was a Greek. The believers at Lystra and Iconium spoke well of him. Paul wanted to take him along on the journey, so he circumcised him because of the Jews who lived in that area, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. As they traveled from town to town, they delivered the decisions reached by the apostles and elders in Jerusalem for the people to obey. So the churches were strengthened in faith and grew daily in numbers. Paul's, this is, I think, his second time through this area, and he sees this guy named Timothy, and he sees a lot of people. But he said, and I think Paul had instincts as a Christian that came from God. I think we have those too. I know at work there were some, some people that I said, man, there's something inquisitive about that guy. There's something 
that I want to talk to him about. There's some reason I've been putting that guy's life. There's some reason that I've been playing hoops with Willie. There's some reason that, that God has got me in that guy's life, right? And Paul said, this guy, Timothy, I really like him. Let me take him with me. I need help. He became Paul's companion. He became Paul's disciple. Paul trained him. He eventually led churches. From this humble beginning, as, a, as maybe a teenage guy, Paul circumcises, takes him along, and really, he becomes very influential in the Bible. I mean, and, and talk about passion, really, to give up his family, to make the sacrifice that he had to do by being circumcised, to do all those things took a lot of passion. But he obviously said, that guy Paul is speaking the words of a dreamer. Something's different in his life. Something's more significant than what I have, and I want to be a part of that. In Seattle, here's the thing. In Seattle, we're full of dreamers. The, the world around us, sadly, can dream more than those of us inside the church. We've got to really work just to keep up with the, with the dreams of the world around us. These are companies that are headquartered in Seattle. That's Boeing. They make like half the planes we fly on. That's Amazon, the fastest growing company in the world. 50,000 people. Think about this for a minute. 50,000 people work in downtown Seattle at Amazon. It's, it's remarkable. It's like mind-blowing. Starbucks um, in Seattle, I don't know about here. I've seen a few Starbucks. This is not a joke. There are Starbucks literally every block in Seattle. There's, there's a little... Uh, strip mall by my house where I go to, get to QFC and get groceries. There's a Starbucks right here, and I turn over there, and there's a Starbucks about 100 yards away, and they're both full all the time. There's some insane number about how many Starbucks per capita in Seattle, and the thing is they're all full, and they every store in Seattle could be a Starbucks. They're still full, right? Um, they love their coffee, but this guy's a dreamer. This guy, by the way, started selling appliances to the bean company called Starbucks. And the guys just were sort of dreaming, and he kind of weaseled his way into the company and then ended up buying the company. And he had a dream. He went around. i got to tell you this quick story about this guy named Howard Schultz. I, t- I heard the other day he wants to run for president or something. But this guy, Howard Schultz, had a dream, and, and, and it really outpaced everyone around him. He would go over to Italy. He's working for these two guys that started Starbucks company. He'd go over to Italy to buy beans, and he'd see these little coffee houses. You've been to Italy and seen those? Uh, they're everywhere, sipping little cappuccinos and stuff. And he came back and said, hey, I think we can make money selling this stuff. And they said, not going to happen. You can buy a cup of coffee at a truck stop for like 75 cents. No one's going to pay the kind of price we would have to charge for this stuff, right? Uh, now people pay like, you know, $100 for a cup of this stuff. It's, it's ridiculous. But he said, no, I think we can do this. And I have a dream. And they said, no. So he kept going at it and he kept going at it and he kept going at it. He nagged them so much about this dream, they said, Fine, just buy the company. And he sold it to him. They sold him the company. He didn't actually start Starbucks company. So he goes knocking on doors around Seattle. And he's asking people to invest $10,000. Just $10,000 because I want to start a coffee shop. And people are like, no. That'll never happen. Now there's a bunch of people crying about it because they could be like bazillionaires if they would have done this. But, but he knocked on this one guy's office, and he said, would you invest $10,000? And he heard him, and he said, I'll invest more than that. His name was Bill Gates Sr., another dreamer. He's like, something about you. 
There's all these people. But the thing is, this is, I mean, Amazon and Microsoft, they make computers, they make airplanes. Um, We really have to talk about this in Seattle because the world around us is full of young, idealistic, single people who have a lot of dreams. The Northwest is also known for to be a place where people advocate deeply and passionately for things. I read this book. I don't know how much you know about your area, but I I read this book uh, about the Northwest. It's called Religion and Public Life in the Northwest, and it's how to understand how people religiously and spiritually think in the Northwest. And the the, the Northwest, by the way, is the biggest area. uh, It's called the nun zone because it's the biggest area where on the census people put nun when they say, what church do you go to? So it's a really hard mission field. You've got to get really creative Uh, but they are passionate. It doesn't mean because they don't want to go to church, they're not passionate. It means they don't want to go to church, right? Right. And so they throw their passion into, ready for this, the environment and salmon and wildlife and things that they feel are really going to change the world. So our task is to have really big dreams, build great relationships with these people, and show them, just like Paul did in Athens, that the things that you're passionate about, although they are important, they're a little bit misplaced. Let's do something with your passion that can really change the world. And we're seeing people become Christians. But we've got to have big dreams. We can't have just small dreams. And we can't just settle for the status quo. How are your dreams? I know we need you to have big ones. I remember when I first started leading the church in Tacoma, that was our first stop. And the job I left, that's where I went, and I I started to lead the church, and I was a little bit freaked out because I I felt alone. And there was a lot of people there. Actually, there weren't many people there, but there wasn't anybody that had the level of dreams that I had or passion. I felt alone. And as you know, uh, the two guys that met me were very strong because they were together. You can have a lot of dreams and strength and passion alone, but when you've got a friend by your side, it's just a lot easier, right? And so I prayed for God to bring me somebody, bring me anybody, but bring me someone who can match my level of dreams so we can start something here in Tacoma. We're just a handful of people. And all of a sudden, one day at a house church, this guy named Alex Whitaker walks through the room walks into the room, and he's, he's got arm, an army outfit on. He was an officer in the army. He went to West Point. I think you know at, uh, Alex, right? And he walked in, and he, he loved the discussion, and he comes up, and he said, how do I sign up for this church? And I said, well, let's study the Bible. So we said, I said, let's get together on Monday night and study the Bible. And he said, fine. We studied for three hours, and then he said, what, when are we going to do it again? I get off work tomorrow at 4. We studied Tuesday. We studied Wednesday. All into the night. And he says, basically, he, he said, I, I want you to baptize me immediately. He got baptized before he even went to his first church service the next Sunday. <laughs> it was awesome. And I, I was like, man, you really want to study the Bible? I'm kind of tired. i got to go home and have some dinner, right? But he was like, this stuff is radical. This is what I want. This is why I went to West Point. This is, I, he wanted to become a general, and he probably would have. And he, he became a Christian, and it was awesome because everything changed. He came to a first Bible talk, and we're having a little goal session thing right there. And he said, hey, this, this, these goals, these are very small goals. There is, no reason, there is no reason why we shouldn't be able to baptize 100 people this month. Right? That's Alex. Um, I mean, he just called people higher everywhere he went. 
And he's grown and matured. He's, a, he's one of our region leaders now. Um, but it changed my outlook on even my mission field. I know at your job, you're working with someone who's just like that. You're working with someone or you know someone or there's a neighbor that maybe you need to open your mouth and talk to that's wishing there was something more in life. I know it. Do we have the faith, though, to believe that? Alex went up to lead the University of Washington right after that. And check it out. He said, but a month into it, he came and he was discouraged. He said, I don't think that there's not a lot of open people there. And I said, Alex, just one guy, man. Just find a fellow dreamer. Member? And I said, there are open people. Stop talking that nonsense and get out there and find them. And he prayed, and he prayed, and he prayed. And then about six months later, a congregational service. I'm walking in, and this young guy's fired up. He's like, hey, my name's Ben. I said, really? Hi, Ben, I'm Darren. He's like, how can I go in the ministry around here? I mean, he was just fired up. (laughs) President of his fraternity. um, Very excited guy. Very talented guy. Had a bunch of visitors with him. And I said, how did you find out about a church? He said, Alex Whitaker found me. Study the Bible with me, here I am. And I'd heard about him, but I met him. And all of a sudden, Alex's outlook changed. Alex was fired up. And they went on to build quite a camp. They got up to 90 students at the University of Washington from zero. And Alex just said, boy, I I just need to encourage people to find one person. And I want to leave you with this story. Guy calls me the other day. He's moving. He's he's over in our, our city region, which is the west side of Seattle. And he calls me and says, hey, can I have lunch with you? Because I work on the east side. He's been driving over to my area because that's where Facebook is. And he drives over there and works at Facebook. He's developing these things called Oculus, the virtual reality things. He's kind of the guy, one of the guys doing that. I have no idea what it is, but it looks very cool. Um, sits me down, and, it, and I was like, Jeremy, what do you want to talk about? And he says, I just want to do something great, and, and Facebook is awesome, but it just feels like something is missing. And, and by the way, I, it's, companies have changed a lot. Maybe you work at one of these companies. He brought me to lunch at this company, which was free. Breakfast is free. Did you know this? Dinner's free. No, I'm serious. Everything's free. And I'm not talking like sloppy Joe's or some nasty hot dog. This is prime rib, and you know, I mean, just they have to compete with each other. So all these companies now, just everything's free. Just stay on campus. I was like, Jeremy, this is how you live at work? He's like, yeah. I mean, it was amazing. Everything was free. I mean, I think they gave him a free house or something. I don't know. It was, everything's free. But he said, I, I got everything. I'm 26 years old. I've got a really cool girl, girlfriend in the church. I've got lots of goals and dreams, but I just want to do something more. And I said, find somebody. What do you mean? Look at all these guys. Who are you reaching out to here? Take your faith higher. Pray that God will expose one of these people to you because someone feels the same way. They just don't have God's spirit. They just haven't heard the gospel. And the next day at church, or the next week at church, he brings this goal sheet. And he says, I'm so excited. He's praying about people. He's bringing people to Bible talk. He hasn't, he hasn't converted a friend yet, but he's really making a great, uh, he, he's trying to really make progress on this mission field. And we're going to have a Bible talk at Facebook in Seattle before we know it. I just know it. But I want to ask you, 
I want to ask you, this is the most, I think the single most important ministry in the church. You have more connections than a lot of the campus and singles do. You have great jobs. You have great relationships. You're mature people. You've got the Holy Spirit of God in you. You've got an incredible story of redemption from the Lord. Who's, who's around you that needs to see this? And that's what I want to just leave you with is who's the dreamer? Make a list of people that God has put in your life. Pray that God will tell you who that is. Pray about that person. Open your mouth and talk to that person. Get involved. Bring them to Bible talk. Step out in faith. You will be really surprised who says yes if you just have faith and trust that God can really move. You know what I mean? I have thoroughly enjoyed being in the Dallas church. I told Todd, he's standing right back there, this is a really great church. Um, Each ministry is focused. Each ministry has great leadership. Um, It's a gospel-centered church. It's it's incredible. Um, I just want to encourage you to take things higher. Use what God's given you. Use the place he's given you. Be a dreamer. And pray that God will bring you a fellow dreamer, and together we'll change the world. Amen? Amen. Thank you. God bless.